Hello everyone, Red Men Radio number 52. I said last week, I missed the milestone two weeks ago. We were off, but the dream team is back together. I am joined by Mr. Chris Pajak. Hi, Chris. Hi, Paul. Hi. Hi, um, listeners. Hi, listeners and hi, viewers on the YouTube channel as well. Hello. There was a special wave just for you. It wasn't very special, if I'm perfectly honest. It was a uh, half fast. It was it was like a, it was forty percent alley alley. Let's leave it at that. Um, kickoff question comes from Darren James uh, on the subscribers Facebook group. If you could play this Liverpool team against any team, past or present, who would you like to see them against? The classic Milan, old Barca, Manx in their prime years. Also, who would win? I'm going to go pretty boring on this one. I mean, there's so many great teams that you could mm. pick over all the years. Have you stuff. picked one of them? No. Well, yeah. <laughs> okay. They're a good side, but they never won anything. Okay. I want to see us go against 13-14 Liverpool because I know how good that side was mm-hmm. and it was a great barometer, I think, for how good this side is and yeah. can be. Yeah. Um, I'd like to think that we'd beat them mm. and we can stop looking back so fondly at 13-14 hopefully enjoy this side a little bit more. Yeah. That's the reason that I've gone for 13-14. Either that or I want a confidence boost and go and take Liverpool 2005, the Champions League winners, <laughs> snot them and be like, of course we can win the Champions League this season, of course we can, we just beat them. But the exact opposite logic thing applies to, applies to 13-14 thing. We, we, if that's a barometer, if we think we're so much better than 05, the 0405 team, we would end up throwing it away against that team and destroying our confidence because that Milan Why? team we, in 2005 we beat, was... We beat crap teams nowadays. That's no, what no, we no. do. But so did Milan. That's the point. That was what that team was. That team was terrible. <laughs> terrible. Um, but yeah, it had the ability to magically pull results and trophies out of its arse. So I think we beat be... them 5-0 away. And then and then five nil at home. It would just be it'd just be one of them where Jersey Jersey dude I would turn superhuman again and we'd be like, What is happening? How is this ha- how is Jimmy Troy doing this? Yeah, it would be terrible. Um, I there's not a necessarily specific team in mind, but we'll, we'll probably throw one out there in a sec. My thinking is I'm so bored of the arguments from ex professional footballers about how their teams were, were, were amazing because I, I just I'm, I'm firmly to the opinion because I just think biologically speaking and the fact the rules have changed a bit as well a modern football team would kill a team from the 70s or 80s I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely positive of that and people can go back to what great football who are the players the that you're targeting in this poll the in, pundits the players the, the I reasons heard Alan why. Brazil talking about it the other day but all pundits in general and I, there's a massive conceit and I think this would turn the football world on its head and it basically means there's a lot of old jobs for the boys would go out the window because people would realise that old footballers don't know what the fuck they're talking about um, if all of a sudden their, their reference base was exposed as being basically it's basically like like having a caveman come up against you know someone from modern I day I take it you're playing modern day rules modern day footballs modern day boots yeah yeah absolutely so all this whole well Graeme Souness would just batter someone well Graeme Souness would be off in the first five minutes of a football match and that would be and that would effectively be game over off the back of it and they wouldn't be able to pass it back to the goalkeeper for 90 minutes and then roll it out and I think you're right the goalkeeper. flip side though if if it was done the other way and you played old rules. Yeah, it'd be, that would be. Do you think it would? Do you think it would flip reverse, or do you think the 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 sheer athleticism of these players nowadays would would win out? I think it, the athleticism would win out, but I think it would be a fucking bloodbath. I don't think. I'm not sure it would because the balls were so much heavier, and I'm not sure that they could kick them in quite the same way. I'm not you remember sure. when a twenty yarder yeah. was amazing? Yeah, and it would stop bidding, and it was like, oh my. 
They, have you seen that 20 yeah. yards? I'm not sure they could do that. Like, I'm not sure. I think having, it'd be close. Having kicked a modern football the other week fully inflated. God, that's hard. Yeah, I'm not sure modern footballs are as... They are. They are. They're not standard. Sick. Yeah. They are. But I mean, not not so... I mean, we're not talking about the 60s. We're not talking about the, le- the leather lace-up footies. We're talking about mitre tactics. You know what I mean? We're, we're talking about mitre footies, which we all kick. They're not... They're, there's not... A massive. Well, that's only because we got them, them free with the bank when yeah. we signed up and in school. Then, I, okay. And even then, you're talking like I did. World Cup boots existed. You know, again, the football boots have changed, but then again, they're not like we're not. Again, we're not talking sixties where you had to have your leather boots in a in a bucket of hot water to mould them to your feet beforehand. <laughs> the base of the technology that we use now it took it. You know, it, it started in the late seventies and in the eighties, but it would be it'd be an absolute bloodbath. And there's loads of players who would massively fanny out. But this this Liverpool team, I don't think would as much anyway, because I think it's got a bit of steel running through its so pick a team. way. For the sake of just simplicity, I, like the Liverpool mid eighties, pick the Liverpool eighty four team or something like that. But equally, pick a Man United team from that era, pick a, an Arsenal team, whatever. It doesn't, I'm not asking. I just want to pick some. I, I like maybe like the the Forest team that won two European Cups or something like that. Just because there's probably a load of people who are still cashing in on that. And fuck them. <laughs> fuck them. Um, okay, uh, this week's topics, we're going to do news in brief, and then normally we would do like a bit on the last game and a bit on the next game and a bit of maybe something else, but we're just going to talk about Man City because you know what? I've waited three weeks, four weeks or whatever to talk about this. I can't be asked to talk about Palace anymore. I've done that. Palace is done. I had to get through Palace and I got through Palace. Um, so we'll come on to that in a moment. Then we're going to be taking your questions at the end. News in brief, first and foremost. Charlie Adam, Chris, says that Salah uh, wouldn't get in the side at Real or Barca. Now, what he's trying to say is, like, he thinks he'll stay at Liverpool, but the, the, it's a very it's very easy to spin this because we don't like Charlie Adam very much. Um, it's total bollocks. It's yeah. total bollocks. He, he absolutely gets in the side uh, at Barca and Real. Absolutely. I mean, he wasn't a very good footballer, and I don't think he's a very good football scout. Mm. Um, he needs to just shut up about stuff like that. Now, he obviously, he's been asked a question and he's he's answered, but you're wrong, Charlie. Go away, <laughs> shut up, have a word with yourself and try and see if you can chase that ball down that you kicked to the moon for me. <laughs> yeah. Um, Spirit Shankly visited Celtic to have a look at the rail seating at the weekend. Really, really good stuff. Um, Jay McKenna did a, a great little sit-down with Neil Atkinson of the Anfield Rap last week leading up to it, and they've done a few videos and a few interviews around it. For me, you know, we've made our opinions pretty well clear on this, haven't we? Because I think we're both very much in favour of rail seating uh, being introduced and being introduced at Anfield as well. It was uh, uh, what I like about this because you went to the meeting they did like a year ago. Um, I think the way that the Spirit of Shankly have conducted themselves around this is the right way to go about it. We have to be sensitive of the issues around it. We have to be sensitive of the feeling of the Hillsborough oh, families, but they've done this the, the right The spirits way. of Shankly understand the gravity of the situation and they understand the gravity of what a decision for Liverpool fans means with the rest of the Premier League and, and stuff like that, don't they? And I think you're right. They can all hold their heads up high and they always can do uh, because they have gone about this in the right way. They're looking into every facet of it. You know, it started off It started off a couple of years ago now with something at one of their annual general meetings, I think it was. Then it created... I created the event that I went to last season where they had people talking about it from a Scotland point of view, from from a rail seat and from a different standpoint and stuff. And the fact that they've gone there with Hillsborough survivors and people who obviously um, have 
they're so close to their heart and, and they've taken them there and the the fact that John Paul at Celtic has sat down with them and explained it all to them, made sure that they're safe and they feel safe and that they feel comfortable. It's it's great because football fans get a bad rep all the time, but when you can look at something like this, like what Spirit of Shankly are doing, you, you, you can go, these guys know what they're doing, they yeah. understand it and they're going about it in the right way and ultimately... Um, I think it's a great. I think it's a great move by Spurs to Shankly. I really do. Yeah, and it's, I think it's interesting. I think I've, I've I've seen people commenting about it and saying how, like Liverpool, there's no rush. Liverpool should just wait and hold on. I, I, I've always been of the opinion that if it's going to be introduced in the country, Liverpool needs to be at the forefront of the conversation. They need to be there, and they they need, they need to be the ones. And look, if there's people who are going to be dead set against it, that you know, ultimately that will be a that will be a talent uh, decision point to come in the future. But personally, like I said, I'm not sure. I think it, a lot of it is in a branding, and a lot of it is in association with the thinking that it was it was a standing area that was look. It made football less safe for how it was, but there was a lot of divide, divide factors around that and how football fans were treated and how football fans were penned in in what they did as well. Having experienced rail seating first-hand in, uh, in Hoffenheim. Now, all I would say is that football terracing is as dangerous as the policing and the fans contained within choose to choose to make it. Now, the thing is, football seating is safe until you stand in seating. Yeah. And then you fall and then you celebrate and you fall over the seats in front. So in that regard it's loads safer. But if you climb on the rails and you watch a game from there and you slip, you're gonna kill yourself because that's as true as if you tried to cross over a road by jumping on the railings and jumping into the road off the side of it, rather than going across a, a crossing. There are dangerous ways to use safe things. Um but as I say, I think it, it, it's great that Liverpool seem to be taking note of this. It's great that there's a group of, of fans who are, are passionate enough about it to have sensible conversations around it, and obviously more on that as and when it develops. But yeah, really, 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 really encouraging steps in the right direction. Mm. Um, just a little bit leading uh, into the game in a moment, but first, uh, Ollie Bond uh, is reporting that Gillan Balaga is reporting because this is the world of Twitter that Liverpool are watching Ferran Torres of Valencia I have very little idea who this lad is I had a cursory amount of research into him 18 year old Valencia winger uh, Spanish youth international handful of minutes for Valencia in the league of this season for more on that do go and watch the Reds News Roundup show this week Steve Hoare has got your transfer back covered uh, so go over and listen to that in podcast form or in video form on the redmentv.com uh, Emery Chan Chris is a doubt for Man City that's another thing coming out of this Jürgen Klopp's press conference is, is just after we finish recording this so we'll know more this afternoon but if he is Incapable of playing for this game, that's a big blow for them. Yeah, I think it's a really, it's a massive loss. And I like chatting the six in these big games. Now, I know maybe mm -hmm. he didn't have the best game against Tottenham or the best game against Manchester United and stuff, but uh, every, you know, there's a few players who didn't have the best games against those type of teams. Mm -hmm. um, I like his physicality in that midfield. I like the fact that he can set a tempo. I think he'll be a huge miss in this game. And I think Jürgen Klopp will be really disappointed that he's not available for selection as well. Yeah. Um, the midfield is probably one of the key battlegrounds, I think, in this game coming mm -hmm. against Manchester City. And that's where we've done so well against them this yeah. season. Um, you know, Certainly in the game at Anfield earlier on when we beat them 4-3, I felt that that midfield was absolutely spot on. I think it was Chan... Wijnaldum and Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain. You had that physicality from Chan and Wijnaldum mm -hmm. and you had a guy who can break the lines yeah. and, and run in between the midfield and link up with the forwards and Oxlade-Chamberlain. And 
I think that it'll be a big, big blow. I don't know what you think on it. No, absolutely, completely agree with that. I think these these are the games that Emery Chan's absolutely built for, him, particularly Man City. He's got a great track record in, in the games against them as well, playing in different variations on the role, not just in the not just in the six. And it, it, I wouldn't have had him in the six in this game. To be fair, I'd have put him more in the box to box role. But the I still would. I imagine he's one of the few players that we would throw into a game on next to no training. You know, Jürgen Klopp's made it clear over the years how you've got to complete X amount of sessions. And I think that's more true for guys who, who have a point to prove. But as we saw in the Europa League run, yeah. you know, he, he was crocked and we threw him back in against Villarreal and he was absolutely pivotal, in, the, in particularly in the home game and that. Like So I, it wouldn't shock me to see him get a, a look in, in this game and then you wrap him in Cottonwood for an, another week or whatever. But maybe there is just a case, maybe... Jürgen thinks I might need him more for the Etihad. Let's keep him safe and get him ready for that. And and if, if it's a difference between running the risk on a sixty minutes of Emery Chan or knowing you can def- and not getting him again for two weeks or whatever off the back of it. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm plucking this on the air. This is not necessarily how it is, of course, but I would always prefer, preface making sure you can get a, a full game out of a, a, a player because who needs enforced substitutions in big games? Yeah, you're right. And you, you just... You're making it very difficult for yourself if you're gonna if you're going into a game knowing that you need to sub a guy off. Mm. Um, you know we saw at the weekend obviously against Palace and full substitution. Um, now I think we were quite lucky in that Klopp's plan was probably to go to three at the back against them for the end of the game anyway. Yeah. So, but taking taking one of your moves if you think of it as like a game of chess yeah. away from you before you've started it's not a good situation well, we, to be in and we've essentially just got four midfielders now yeah. um, and that's the other worry isn't it so it's probably going to be three of Milner, Henderson, Wijnaldum and Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain that makes it easier for the opposition as well yeah and, and that, that's it and I, th- I think we've seen that when we the Sevilla, the Sevilla game when we had to take Moreno off but I think we took, do we think from both of them games one who was hooked and one who got injured the um you, when you lose a substitution, you lose the ability to change a game. Effectively, you cost yourself that final ten minute, five minute, ten minute substitution. Um, so no, you, you you're dead right on that. Well, look, let's get let's let's barrel headlong into it, Chris. We're, we're we're halfway there. We've got a foot in. Let's go. Let's let let's go in. Let's get all ten toes wet. Um, ten years, ten years of mediocrity. 10 years of promising a little bit here and there and having it snatched away from us. I can't believe it's been this long between quarterfinals of of the Champions League to go a decade. And, and I think it's eased by the fact that this happens. I, I don't know where the last 10 years of my life have gone. It's gone in a bit of a blare. And and I think that it, it happens a lot when you're in your, in your, in your 20s, 30s, 40s and, and onwards because you've got a bit more life behind you but we did a lot of this on the build-up show and that you know there was a generation of people there for whom look 10 years was you would have people were completely different people were kids mm. a lot there's a lot of Liverpool fans who were men and and, and, and and grown women now who were children when Liverpool were last at this stage in a competition it shouldn't be underestimated how important this is for Liverpool no it shouldn't because look it's huge for Liverpool Football Club. But it's massive for the fan base as well. We want to create our own memories and we want to create more memories if you've already got them. But there's a, as you say, there's a generation of Liverpool fans who haven't seen us win mm-hmm. the European Cup, who haven't have only seen us probably win the Carling Cup, the yeah. League Cup in 2012 or whatever year it was. And you know these guys will 
will be hungry and they'll want to create their own stories around special games and stuff. And this is why this game is so big because there's a generation of Liverpool fans who want to go to Anfield and make one of those special European nights and they want to see the team go up against the best. And yeah. quite frankly, we are going up against the best in Manchester City. Yeah, that's it. And this is the thing. I've forgotten this feeling. Like we've had, we've had... Big I've games. been nervous for games yeah, sure. along the last five years. Absolutely. But, but not for three weeks. No, 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 exactly. Because like <laughs> this is the thing, isn't it? It's, it's like, Derby week, Paul, and I don't care. Yeah, no, that, I think that's a great point. It's telling that normally <clears throat> I, the, this agenda's gone through several iterations. There was a Derby section in this, which I have totally binned off because I would rather just talk more about this game. Um, this is the thing. I've been excited for, I was excited for the Man United games and the Dortmund game, the Villarreal game, the final for the Europa League. We've had, what, a League Cup final in that time. We've been to an FA Cup final. We've had big semi-finals over this time as well. And I've been excited for them all in different ways. But you're right, the level of anticipation, this is something else. This is, I mean, it's it's slightly tempered by the fact that it's Man City, but it's, I'm, I'm excited in a different way because I would be... I think I would be even more giddy, bouncing off the walls, excited if we were playing a Real Madrid or a, or a Bayern or, or a whatever. But because it's a British team, it's also added that little bit of extra needle to it for me as well, and the knowledge that there's no escaping it. I, you can't, you're not going to be wound up by Real Madrid and Barcelona fans online yeah. <laughs> after the fact. Whereas we're going to have to face unless you speak Spanish. Sure. <laughs> we're, we're, oh no. Uh, but but there's there's, there's, there's not going to be any escape in this result. No, no there isn't, and the, I don't think we fully felt it yet. But there is going to be so much spotlight on this game, and mm. it, it's building up slowly from the weekend. And you know, today it's going to be all eyes of of the British media are going to be focusing on this game, and that's what happens when two British teams go head to head in the Champions League. We remember it from the time when we, we you know, we used to, seem to used to play Chelsea every single year in yeah. the Champions League knockout stages, and. These are two sides that are both play exhilarating football, both like to go around it the right way, and it's being built of this sort of clash of the titans type of thing between the two best footballing sides in the company, country, maybe not the two best sides in the mm-hmm. country. Um, and this could be a rivalry that this could spark a rivalry for the next five years, maybe between two of the best coaches in the world, two yeah. of the hopefully the best teams in the world. Um, and this could be English football going back to the pinnacle of European football as yeah. well. So the winners. I think the winners here will take so much confidence from this. It wouldn't surprise me if the winners came out of this no, out of this draw. I completely agree, and I think because it, it, it comes from a similar it stems from a similar place in that if if Liverpool beat Man City, then they've got the notion of well we will have done that twice, say maybe three times. Wouldn't that be lovely? You know, either way, you come out you come out victorious against the best team in the, in your own country and one of the best teams in Europe, and you're going great. Well, look. Are we going to come up against? We're going to come up against equally technically gifted sides, but are we going to come up teams that have got the same levels of pace and the same levels of power because they're coming from the Premier League by comparison to other other parts of Europe? So of course Liverpool go on. I think stride on off the back of that. I think City in a similar way though go the only team that's given us any problem this year and we've managed to swat them aside or we've managed to knock them, I don't think we should be fearful of anyone else off the back of it too. So, yeah, I I, I agree. I think the, the, the team that comes out of this will rightly, or wrongly, <laughs> but feel that they can go and lift. Absolutely. Lift Ab- absolutely, Paul. I think you're absolutely spot on there. And, you know, for me, looking around the teams at Europe at the moment, 
Man City are probably the best for me. You know, there's there's there are other teams with incredible footballers, but as a pure base team, I think it's City and Barcelona are the two top teams in yeah. Europe at the moment. And you know, the way that Manchester City press, the way that Liverpool press, I just think there's a little bit more intensity there. And they they for me, City are the best. And if we can knock them out, we can knock anybody else. Yeah, absolutely, completely. And, and I, I I can't. It's weird. It's like um, there's just a there's just a black. Void in the future. I can't see beyond this game. You know, so much of what we do requires us to just look a few, look a few steps ahead and what have you. And that's why, like the the derby stuff, I'm aware it's happening. I've I've thought about it in a general sense. Like basically, like I said, I'm just I'm not asked now. Look, if we get smashed by City in the first leg, then. I would be far more asked about the derby. I'd want I'd want us to go and, and battle Everton just to just to get some sort of happiness back in my life or whatever. But I'm I'm perfectly content with Liverpool doing whatever they think is best with the derby in order to give us the best platform. I think that's right. And I, I'd round. never I'd never have thought at the start of the season we could be sacrificing a derby mm. for something. You know what I mean? And and I think I'm a bit like you in that if we're in a good place and we've got. You know, a realistic chance of making it into the next round of the Champions League. Do whatever you want, Jürgen. Yeah. You're not going to get any backlash from me, mate. Yeah, no, exactly that. And it's it's mad though, is that I can dream a little bit about semis and finals and stuff. But I, I, in the build up to it, you know, we mentioned it on this podcast before. You know, when we were sat in the bar, the hotel bar in Porto, having got back from that from that match, and we were talking, me and Sai were talking about. Who would you want to face? Who would you want to play? What you know, and your dream route to the final? Who's your dream for the final? All that kind of stuff. I can't do that anymore. Like there's like a big steel yeah. door that's slammed down in front of me on that. I can't. There's, it's, it's just too, too close cruel. to call it, yeah, as well. Yeah, it's too close to call. You could see us progressing past Porto before. You could see us getting out of that Champions League group. Now you can't really look past City because. Quite, you know, we've said it how many times. I think they're the best team in Europe. Yeah, and you've just everything has to be focused on getting through that two leg thing. And I'm looking at it now, and, and and I've only just started to get even more nervous about it because I've kind of just disregarded the derby. This is going to be the best week I've ever been a Liverpool fan. Yeah, or the worst. We could get beaten comfortably by yeah. City twice yeah. and lose the derby in yeah. the middle yeah. of it oh, yeah. and there could be a huge cloud over there that I'm not going to be able to get out of it's so weird though like in that regard like I've, I'm not I'm just not fearful of this at all it's weird I'm like even though I'm like nervous and I'm, I'm really I'm really like I am excited for it there's a weird like there's a bizarre neutral underlying neutrality I have in all this it's just like hey, sir, sir, well, yeah exactly it's like we've come this far I had no expectations. All I've said all summer and all season was get in the top four and get out the group in the Champions League. And if you do that, then that is objective obtained for me. Anything above and beyond that is an is an absolute bonus. And the, the fact is, is that because we're so close to kick off on this one, I've kind of I've spent time looking at Man City. I've spent obviously more time than 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 the average person looking at Liverpool. I I know we can do it. Uh, but uh, we're we're fast approaching that 
the time for talk being over and it's yeah. time for time for action we've got today really and then I'm gonna be an absolute mess tomorrow I think on Wednesday um, I'm not sure how I'm gonna handle anything it's... I think it's a little settler in the morning or something <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's gonna be the only oh, way yeah. I can get through it but I remember I remember being a kid and I, I, I didn't feel like this in my me, me teens maybe my late teens and, and onwards like, but I remember like FA Cup final day as, as a kid when you used to have all the build up to it and you'd get up you'd get up early in the morning and yeah, the telly, cup, exactly. Yeah. FA Cup final stuff on from the moment you woke up, and I kind of feel like this with this game, which is mad because all by all accounts, like the semi final against Villarreal is a bigger game than this. It, it only so much as it takes you to a final. This is only going to take us to a, a semi final of a competition, and no one really remembers. No one remembers semi finalists. Like you know, so it's not like it's, but it is just as we said. It's that. We've built up to this. We've been. This is not the be all and end all, and I will. I, I'm looking forward to enjoying it. But I'm looking forward to, and I, and, I, and I, I genuinely hope, and I genuinely believe that we've got the ability to for this to be a stepping stone. Hopefully, it's not a stepping stone for next season because if we go out, it will be. You know, it's a good learning experience, and you 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 you'd make quarterfinals your bet your minimum target next year. I think if you can do it, if you can prove you can do it this year. But I do really genuinely just hope that this is. It's just something more. I hope this is something special because we haven't had special in such a long time. It's become a myth. It's just become like some bullshit story that we tell kids to make them feel better when, when you know, we've got really crap players sticking balls in the back of their own net and that kind of stuff. It'd be nice for this to be not a fantasy anymore. It'd be nice for it to be a reality. It, it really would. Of course it would. Um, I want Liverpool to be the best team in the world. Every Liverpool fan wants Liverpool to be the best team in the world. And, and now's the time, I think, where we've been building steadily since Klopp came in. You know, we, we, we obviously lost against City in a final not that long ago. We lost the final against Basel. But you can almost exercise those ghosts yeah. by getting through in this game against Manchester City. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And that's the point of this, is that... There's still a lot of a lot of the players from a, from that experience, and I remember thinking in thirteen fourteen like this team, the young players in that team for finishing second were going to come back the next season stronger for the experience, and unfortunately we cut the legs off that team by by not keeping Luis Suarez, and maybe and to be fair. I think I was right in some instances. You know, Felipe Coutinho's gone on to be a, a, a top quality player. Raheem Sterling's gone on to be a top quality player. Unfortunately, we because the team fell apart, we weren't able to match their ambitions. And this is that I do feel as though I said this a couple of weeks ago on the podcast. Is it does feel like there's something? Does feel like there's something really solid and really tangible? And that every time we do misstep now. We just pick ourselves up and go. Okay, well, we won't. We won't do that again. We'll get better and we'll get stronger, and we and we find our stride for longer periods. Each time we fall down, the gap between falling down again and getting seems back up. to get and get seems to get longer. And the time it takes to get back up again seems to get get shorter and shorter. I mean, um, I'm, I'm, just go back slightly. I remember at the start of the season, I would have been I would have been all right with us getting knocked out in the group stages. I think I said that early on in the season is that for me the the real target this season was making sure we were in top four, and I wasn't really sure that we had the squad to be able to deliver on two fronts. And um, maybe that's down to the fact that you know I'd I'd seen these Liverpool sides tire under Jurgen mm-hmm. Klopp and stuff like that. Now 
now we've really done this again on 13 or 14 players. You know, yeah. it's not been 17, 18 players all season long rotating because of the injuries that we've had and suspensions and, and, and all that type of stuff. And it's incredible to think that actually Jürgen Klopp has managed to get more out of the same number of players than last season. Yeah. When I think a lot of people thought Liverpool only got in the top four last season because of the high intensity game, but also because they didn't have Champions League football. Yeah. Whereas I think Klopp is, is not getting the credit that he deserves because he's actually managed to make these players go for longer. Yeah. And, you know, still managed to tweak things and tactically he's, he's moving things around a little bit. And it's incredible to think that you watch Liverpool now and you, I don't think I don't think they're tiring. Yeah. I don't see them tiring in any yeah. way, shape or form. The results are still coming in. We're obviously now into the quarters. I wasn't sure at the start of the season this squad had that. And they proved me wrong. It's absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Like, I think he's just, he's just used the squad better this time around. And I think that was the thing going into it. I think you That's might, him learning, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. And I think and I think just the overall quality's gone up, hasn't it? I think, mm. you know, it'll, it'll, Effectively, we swapped out Ajarian and Woodburn for Oxley Chamberlain and say Solanke for the sake of for the sake of argument. So you've gotten more robust, more usable players instead. But you're right, which is an intelligence in terms of how they've they've constructed the squad this time around. But we're going into this stage of the season was as the most rotated side, probably definitely in the Premier League and probably in Europe. So we're going into this. Fitness should not be an issue for us. You can get it. You can get it. As we see with the Lana thing, you're going to be injuries or injuries. You can pick up yeah. freak injuries at any at any at any time. But we should be primed for this. You know, last season, my God, that was like that. I mean, if everyone's watched the first Disney Cars film, but there'll be other examples of it where, in fact, um, Talladega Nights is kind of a similar thing as well. Like. They crash and they get out and they run to the finish line, kind of thing. Ours was a bit like literally, we our cars crashed we and we crawled, we crawled, and we stuck our tongue out to cross the line just to break the finish line. And that's how that's how we got into the top four last season. I don't see that this season. I mean, look, there's a good chance, as we said on the, the, the running special we did last week, by the end of this two week period, by the time we get out of the Bournemouth game, top four could be done. That we could top four could be secured for next season already, and we'll have a run of fixtures and possibly a Champions League semi final to look forward to. And that exactly what you're saying there is down to the intelligence and the man, the squad management that we have we have brought into this season, which is just absolutely fantastic. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the game. Then. Tom brought this up prior to us filming the build up show. We didn't yeah. do it on that show. I think it's worth doing here. Um, Raheem Sterling um, is due one. He's due a good game against us. Um, he's due a good game against us until he does it. Yeah, it's as simple as, and he's not able. To, he's not been able to do it yet. It's interesting. So I was talking to uh, Stephen McInerney, who's a Steam company. Uh, videos on the YouTube channel now. Do go and watch it. Very, very good. Very good. Good stuff. Speaks very well about both us and Man City actually. But he um, he's of the opinion that you've you've got to play Raheem Sterling in this game because what does it do to him to say? I don't trust you in this game. Basically, you know how he feels that like City are best just keep keep playing in this game until he does does have one. My take on it is I, I don't I think that's a solid argument. I think Man City play into our hands by playing Raheem Sterling, particularly at Anfield, because he is the pantomime villain yep. of the piece. And if as if Liverpool need a further excuse, he is that one player that if there's ever a, a moment where the atmosphere drops off. The second he picks the ball up, it just ramps back up again in our favour. Yeah, I, I must admit, I, I can, I agree with both sides of it, and it sounds strange because 
we're almost one up on them if they don't start him. Yeah. And I think that would give the fans a little bit of fire in the belly as well, knowing that that is a potential reason for him not starting. But equally, you know, when he is on the pitch, you're spot on. It gives us a focus. It gives us someone to boo and hiss and yeah. get angry about. And every time, it seems so far like he's crumbled under that pressure. Mm-hmm. And I think, personally, I think, you know, the way that he is with that front three and the way that he's involved in, in that side, you would lose him. You'd miss him a lot more. Yeah. Um, I think they will start him. I think it will probably be the right call to do that. Um, but I think it will also help us. I think the, 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 the concern is that. But they've played Bernardo Silva into form. You know, they've managed him brilliantly this season. They haven't thrown a load of weight of expectation on his shoulders and what have I mean, you can see the impact he had coming off the bench against us at Anfield. Is that I don't think it's a significant drop off to not have him in there. So I don't think it's a massive advantage in terms of like quality or whatever for, for Sterling not playing. I think look, there's a reason he's like what the fourth or fifth top goal scorer. He's the fifth top goal scorer in the league or something at, at, at the there? moment. I don't know what it is. He um, he's having the best season of his career. He's a tremendous player, and I know we I know we're not meant to like him because of how he how he handled his exit from Liverpool and, and that's fair play. Like, but I, I refuse to not. I refuse to see him as anything less than a, a genuinely amazing, talented footballer. He is one to be concerned about, but yeah, I. I I relish him coming to Anfield in these games. I love it because it, you know he'll be up against Andy Robertson. That's the toughest, one of the toughest games he'll have uh, in his Liverpool career to date, handling that. But I think we've seen as well he loves a bit of a fight, and he's one of them. He, he's he's becoming that cult hero for Liverpool. I think he will relish being handed the task of be the one that plants one on Raheem Sterling in the first five minutes of the game, mate. That's on you. That's on you. Oh, we will love that. It's it would have been it's definitely Robertson now, but it would have been a, a toss up for me between Chan and Robertson. Yeah. Chan just coming from nowhere and flying into a challenge because yeah. he understands what that will do for the crowd probably more than Robertson because he's been here longer. Who's your second choice then? Uh, what for Robertson? Milner. It is James Milner. <laughs> James Milner will be like, "Don't worry, fellas, I've got this one." <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Looking forward to that. Yeah, I, to that. you know what? As go, as great a player as Raheem Sterling is, and he is in fantastic form and stuff. You know they've got better players. Yeah. Um, for one, I know we're going to talk about him a little bit later, but the the guy on the other wing is the one who scares me more. Mm. Uh, and that might be down to the fact that you know Trent's had a couple of tough games in the last few weeks and stuff. But Sane's He's unplayable at times, yeah. completely unplayable. When he gets that ball and he drives that run yeah. centrally and dr- runs with that pace, I think we might really struggle to pick him up. He's the guy who I think, for them, will be the game the game changer. Yeah, no, I, I think he's absolutely terrific. He's he's like I I really like Kevin De Bruyne and I, and I love. Love David Silva. I love Sergio Aguero. I really like Raheem Sterling as well. But he's that one I'm proper jealous of because I think he's gonna be. I think I think Leroy Sane is the next Cristiano Ronaldo in waiting. I've said this for the, uh, uh, all season really, just the build of him. Just because he's so tall, he's so athletic, he's fast. He's got a great touch. He's got a hammer of a shot. The fact that he's he's left footed as well is a thing, you know. I, I yeah, I think he's going to be absolutely true, and he's so young as well. He's got so far to go in his development. Yeah, real, real, real threat, and that's a massive test for the fullback. Um, the Salah versus De Bruyne thing. Um, I, I mean, I'm not sure how much the Champions League has an impact on on the play, on the Player of the Year decision. Um, in a, in a UEFA sense, it would do, but I. 
I can't see. I, I, I think De Bruyne is tremendous. They do, absolutely do. But Mo Salah, man, like he's scoring all the goals, and it's not like he's just scoring all the goals. He's got like twelve assists or something this season as well. Like it's ridiculous. Like Kevin De Bruyne should be the absolute shoe in for this because no one expected Mohamed Salah to be this good. But given how good Salah is, I wouldn't be asked if De Bruyne won it, but. Salah probably should be in with a strong uh, listen, I, would say, I, don't, I don't know the exact figures on it, but you're looking at 95% of the time, the striker who scores the most goals is pretty much player of the year, isn't mm. he? They're all there about. Like, and Salah's the one who's going who's gonna to win the golden boot. He's the one who makes more of a difference to his side than any other player. I think Kevin De Bruyne is incredible, probably one of the best players in the league without a shadow of a doubt, but he's got better talent more talented players around him I think the Mo Salah does I think it's fair to say you know as much as I love every single Liverpool player um, the level is just slightly more and you know what Manchester City have done in the league this season has been incredible they can still get the point record for a season you know they're going to probably tie up the league really really early this weekend but Mo Salah yeah, he's not there. De Bruyne's not been at Mo Salah's level this season. Yeah, I we're going to talk a little bit more about this in a moment, but before we head into it, I sat down with um, journalist Sachin Nakrani to discuss a little bit about the build-ups of this game and how Man City fans are handling the notion that Liverpool and the Liverpool fans are going to upset City somehow with our coach greeting and atmosphere. They're getting the wrong end of the stick on this. It's not about trying to put fear into Man City. It's trying to. G up Liverpool. Yeah. I mean, those coaches in 13, 14, sorry, the, the, the greetings in 13, 14 was about, you know, sort of, you know, smashing our coaches on the side as they came in and saying, you know, we, we believe, you know, we believe in you. And that carried through till to the Europa League run. It's not about, you know, I saw one Man City fan, I won't name, won't name him, he's one of the people I had a big argument saying, well, you know, what Kevin De Bruyne and David Silva will do, they'll just put their headphones on and black out their windows and they'll be absolutely fine. It's like, well, it's not about yeah. them, you know. And the City fans have just got really ridiculous about this and this whole thing like, you know, oh, Anfield isn't even the most intimidating ground we've been to this year. And I don't really know why they've got such an issue. I mean, it is almost like they're protesting too much, and they are yeah, actually worried. Absolutely, I think that. I think that the Man City fans doth protest too much in this one. I think I, I've seen like those tweets about saying like, you know, such and such they played, and the, the, the uh, David Silva's been at a World Cup, and, exactly, and this all that. Yeah. And, and but of course, because some lads from Fazakli are going to sing, "You'll never walk alone." They're gonna, they're gonna be done. I think here's the thing. But what you're saying there, even at its base level, and football is about at the top level is about marginal gains and it's about mm. if you can get a percent or, or a half percent that can be the fine margin and if David Silver's normal routine is not to put headphones on and is not to black out his window <laughs> no no yeah. but, you know, but this is the point no I totally agree with you absolutely yeah that's a very good point if you want to go and listen to that full podcast go to the redmentv.com sign up perfect time to do it right now we've got the running special which is amazing looking at every Liverpool fixture between now and the end of the season and those are the likes of Chelsea Spurs and Man United just working out how we think the season's likely to pan out um, and obviously chances a little bit around this uh, Champions League quarter-final as well and loads of other amazing things so do go and sign up highly recommended um, we're going to be doing a combined 11 in, the, in a moment I just want to talk uh, a, in fact you know what I'll tell you what no, let's do the combined 11 then I want to talk about the defence in the midfield because everyone talks about the attack uh, but we'll do that what have you got as the combined combined 11 Edison mm-hmm. Walker um, company, if fit, Van Dyke, Robertson, Fernandinho, De Bruyne, Silva, Sane, Firmino, 
and Salah. I completely, completely agree. Could not agree more with that. I think I don't think there's a case to be made past that. I think you could. I'm sure Man City fans would argue trying to get Jesus or Aguero or whatever in there, and that's I, the diff. The thing is, I think it's much of a muchness. The thing for me is, I think the only area in which Man City are streets ahead of Liverpool is in midfield. Yeah. And I think, because I think you could bin Sane off from that yeah. and put and put Mane in. And I think Mane's probably got as much as, as many, if not more, goals this this season than him. I think you, I think the, I think you're right. And I think there's a nice 50-50 split in defence. I think if you, a genuine combined defence of both teams will provide an incredible defence. But I think both teams have got work to do in getting a, a truly top quality back line. I think Edison's had a full boss season, so that makes sense in the goalkeeping department. But if Carriers plays like this and, and gets better in his level, I don't think it's a, it's a big deal. But it's telling that every combined 11 I've seen so far, I can't make a case for Henderson over Fernandinho or no. Chan over Fernandinho. And I can't make a case for... I could maybe make a case for Milner, but I'd only make myself look... Put myself up for ridicule, rightly or wrongly. Um but yeah, even like a, a Genie Wijnaldum, Oxley Chamberlain, Silver and De Bruyne are that. It's look, it's, it's it's arguably the best midfield in the world right now. Yeah, and you know I've spoken about it a few times over the last couple of months. It's the it's the way in which they've managed to shape that midfield. You know, for so long, and I've mentioned it before, but Arsenal always had those two destroyers, Petit and Vieira, and then Wenger over the last sort of ten years has tried to get one destroyer in with two more creative midfielders, and nobody's really worked out how to do it mm-hmm. but this Manchester City side of the first team that I've seen in the Premier League that have gone yeah we can do it we can play essentially two number 10s yeah. and one guy who was a box to box midfielder he's not even that DM that Liverpool fans all, yeah. all scream out for oh, we need a DM so we can play two attacker mids Guardiola's managed to do it with a, a genuine box to box midfielder he's converted them slightly into more of a DM yeah. and played them with two number 10s and the fluidity that, that we have with our front three is replicated in Manchester City's front three and their midfield three as well yeah. and I think it's something that Liverpool will move more, more towards but with a little bit more physicality for Liverpool I think the sign of Keita is He's a sort of in between. He's not. He's not a number ten, but he's not a number six either. Yeah. And he's going to give us hopefully next season something that can make us think about our next midfield as the best midfield yeah. in the league. And that's it. I, I, you're right in terms of it's freakish how under any other set of circumstances that mid, that midfield should be the reason why Man City fail because you can't commit that many guys to attack. Now, it's fair to say, like even though Benitez was talked about as being like a, a safe defensive manager, he'd go for a five and five. You'd have five to defend, five to attack. Well, City kind of do that, and yet they also at times have seven to attack. You know what I mean? So yeah. it, they have the ability to, to to go that way if needs be. But it's, it's, why, it's all, Sorry, it's, it's also what's amazing to me is most of the season they've done this with Aguero. Yeah. Now, you would kind of think you need somebody a bit more like a Bobby Firmino who's, who wants to do that defensive work to solidify that front five a mm-hmm. little bit more. Yet they've kind of done it with just the genuine fox in the box yeah. at, the, at the top of it because Silver at 32 is still running games. De Bruyne is coming into the prime of his career. He's probably a year or so off that, to yeah. be honest. And yet they show the work rate of Bobby Firmino from the centre yeah. as well. So, I, I mean, listen... I watched the Everton game at the weekend and I was just shocked that Rooney and David Silver are the same age. Mm. 
because one looked 15 years older than the other. Yeah. They're both 32 years old, and yeah. David Silver's running games week in, week out yeah. still, yeah. and Wayne Rooney is a shadow of him for his former self. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's it, it, it's crazy, isn't it? And that's just the the, the, the pure class of, of David Silver. He's, un, he's unbelievable. But I think there's a real there's a real encouragement to take for, for, for Liverpool and that, and it's why where the teams ultimately differ, and it's why I think Man City are you know, runaway Premier League winners and we're we're not why we we're just in the fighting pack underneath. Is that mid, is that midfield? Is that we've been forced to develop a midfield a, a, a get the best of better than the sum of its parts midfield is what we've got. With it, and that's tactical and that's just down to pure work rate and pure ethic. And we talked a bit about this like more agricultural midfield that Liverpool have at times and listen it's worked it's worked better than you know and and, and it's contributed to as well a working Liverpool side as has been in 30 years but um, it is very much that thing of I do wonder whether we need to whether it needs to be upgrades or whether or whether this is a do we need to upgrade to make our midfield more like Man City's or is this one of those things that City are going to get a season out of this and then Inevitably, a tactical shift will occur, which moves to count to counter. It's like you only get one go at do at being so attacking because I, I can't imagine that they can continue like that because it defies logic that you can basically get away with having one midfielder. It's down to the fact that they play with so much of the ball. Yeah. And I think that's the difference. Ultimately, at heart, I think Liverpool is still a counter-attacking side. That's what we want. That's when we perform at our absolute best because we can break with such speed. I think the games that we have tended to struggle in this season, think of the Man United games, yeah. where we've been given the ball and we aren't able to break these down. That's the difference. Manchester City are able to go up against those sides who sit back yeah. all the time throughout games and because of those two number 10s they are able to unpick the yeah. lock as it were yeah. um, and until we make that transition if that's where we're going then we will struggle I think in those games because the quality of Silver and the Bruyne and the vision of these two guys is second to none and the movement of their front three is just as good as the movement of our front three it's mad isn't it it makes you wonder how, how, our, how our season might have panned out differently if if Neymar doesn't move to PSG Barcelona don't turn Coutinho's head, and Adam Lallana doesn't get injured in the week in the in the build-up to the new season. We, I, I'm convinced we were going to have our own version of that midfield. We'd have had the number six in Henderson or Chan, and we were going to see Coutinho and Lallana in the midfield, and we were robbed of seeing that this year by by circumstance. So we've had to come up with another variation. So it'll be very interesting to see whether Liverpool do move more towards this next season, or as we kind of say, whether we do go. We we just slightly upgrade on the combative elements, upgrade on what we're doing now, rather than look to fundamentally change how we change how we do things. Um, but yeah, we talked the midfield and defence. The the thing that's encouraging about this game, and you made it into your combined eleven, and rightly so, Chris. You know, Van Dijk. It's it's being overlooked a little bit that Van Dijk hasn't played for us against Man City this season. Mm-hmm. It's going to be very interesting to see how we handle it because. There's no getting away from the fact that our defence crumbled in both of the games. Even not with not with not holding the Sadio Mane sending off. You know the first goal City scored against us is just a straight ball through the middle of, through the middle of it's the centre back pairings. You'd like to hope that having Virgil Van Dijk has brought us up a level because we have seen. I, I think that the talk of our defensive frailty is a little bit. I think it's a little bit overworked in the media. I'm not sure it's quite as big an issue, although it is still. It's not. 
it's not a bullshit made up concern. It still does exist. Yeah, I think it. I think, I think it is. I think you know since we've signed Virgil Van Dijk, we've now played ten Premier League games. I think I'm right in saying, and we've and we've conceded ten goals in those in that in those games. So we're still conceding one goal a game now. Before Virgil Van Dijk, we'd conceded like five more goals than the games we played. So it was it was worse. Yeah. Van Dijk's improved it, but also we've started to score a few more goals in different games, and we've had those four three games against Manchester City. Mm-hmm. And, and all that type of stuff so I think we have improved I think people are looking at it like we will lose this tie because of our defence and I think that's an unfair stance to have yeah. I think our defence allows us and our frailty unfortunately allows us to play the way that we play you know in those 10 games we've got a positive goal difference of 15 so we've scored 15 times more we've scored 25 goals in mm-hmm. those 10 games and that's better than what we were doing earlier on in the season because our defence now lets us and allows us to play the way that we are. We, we know we're going to concede goals. That's kind of the way it is until we get another £75 million centre-back yeah. to play alongside Virgil van Dijk. Yeah. I think that's going to be the case. Yeah. Um, it is what it is, but I don't think when we're tasked with defending a certain way, I still think we can do that. Mm-hmm. It's just that we don't have to do that very often. Yeah, no, it is. It's a, it's a very, very interesting one, and it'd be fascinating to see how the game pans out as a result. Because, yeah, I, I think it's. I think City have as many defensive frailties as we have. I just think that it's because of the attacking verve and the fact that they just put more points on the board, it makes more sense. If we've been scoring at the rate in, 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 the rate in which we scored in the second half of the season, in the first half of the season, which is what they've done, I don't think it matters. I think the defence is, is, you know, it, it was, and as we say, when we come back, when we boil down to it, Otamendi's having a good season, but I don't think Otamendi is the best centre-half in world football. I don't think he's imperious. I still think Manchester, I think Manchester City rely on company. Now, I know their other two centre-halves have been fantastic this season, but their defence goes up a notch when Vincent Company mm. comes in to it. You know, Stones is a brilliant footballer. Otamendi's had an incredible season, but company's the difference maker in that back line, exactly like Van Dijk's the difference maker for us. And Van Dijk's not at company's level yet. Um because he's not done it consistently at a big club for for, yeah. a, for a number of years. But he'll get there. Mm-hmm. And as he gets better, our defence will get better as well. Yeah, completely agree on that. And as I said, I think that's where we get in. I mean, there's a we, we live in a world where Fabian Delft could start at left-back and they could start, they could start Stones and Otamendi as the, as the centre-back pairing. And... Both of those players, same as number of our players, I think they've got mis- they've got mistakes. The in thing, them. the thing that I think that Manchester City frailties are very, very similar in ours, and I do think their defence is slightly better than ours. I, I do as a, as a group, including the keeper, but their frailties come out of the fact of the way that they play football, exactly like ours do, mm-hmm. because they they're committed to a, the way that they play that high line, that possession game, that grinding further forwards up the pitch, taking five yards and five yards and five yards and pinning them back. It's set up that we can counter attack, and yeah. it's not something we've seen Liverpool do at home this season. But it wouldn't surprise me if we did get a little bit of success out of the counter attack because we maybe invite a little bit more pressure yeah. than we have done over the last few games. And I think it's fair. The, the, the way we've come stuck in recent weeks is that you know we've, we've had to come up against target men. Now they could use Sane in that regard because he's a big lad, but you wouldn't expect them. They're not going to fundamentally change their 
football ethos in this one. So we're gonna have to deal with a team that he plays. has done it before. He's done it for Bayern Munich against Dortmund, but, but not like, not with the person with with, with the personnel to do he, it. He had the striker to do it yeah. at Bayern Munich in I think it was Levin. I'm not sure if it was Lewandowski or maybe it was before Lewandowski. It, maybe it was Muller or something like that. He used, but they he had a, he had a, a, a much stronger, taller striker to be able to do it. It wouldn't surprise me if he went a little bit more long ball. Um, not to the extent that he did it with Bayern Munich, but there's a lot of respect between these two coaches mm. and I think they know that almost on any given Sunday anything can happen Yeah. Um, and and that shows a massive amount of respect between the two best coaches in the league yeah absolutely very, Marino, very, yeah. <laughs> very very exciting stuff Braves buzzing question time then LFC podcasting coach says since Chris seems this to go into me out, this question, vast detail about cooking slash food which always makes me hungry listening to my question to the pod is this Bobby Seller Virgil van Dijk and Klopp all agree to come to your house to have dinner but all want meals that represent them yeah. what do you cook it's a freaking difficult question mate to be honest um, I've gone with Bobby I've gone and not a prime cut of meat. I'm going flank steak um, because he's a little bit underrated like that. And I think if you put the work into like a flank steak, you can really get the best out of it. I okay. think it's important that you recognise that. Um, I'm probably going with some kind of Mexican style carnitas or something like that. You know what I mean? With heavily spiced to to add flavour to that meat. And um, I'm probably doing it with some tortilla wraps, a little bit of salsa, maybe some maybe some uh, refried beans and a mango salsa, a bit of chilli sauce, sour cream, something like that to showcase his fun side as yeah. well. Uh, and then the fact that you have to wrap it up and stuff. That, I think Bobby would like that. I yeah. think he'd enjoy that type of a meal. Yeah. Uh, what have you gone with? Have you even bothered? No, I, I'm, I'm, th- I'm dreaming though. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to shit something out when you finish. Okay, Van, Van Dyke, um, he's a really laid back guy and he seems, he seems like, for me, one of those guys that doesn't have to work to be how bossy is. Yeah. So, one of those guys that can just eat whatever the friggin' hell he wants and he's going to look like he's been chiselled out of stone. So, I'm just going to do him Nutella Belgian waffles, to yeah. be honest with you. Sounds. I think he'll be happy with that. I think he'd enjoy that. I've been to Amsterdam, they sell a lot of them. Yeah. Like loads. Yeah. Like loads to me. Um, you just keep going back because you're hungry all the time. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, yeah, Mo Salah. Mo Salah was a tough one because you got to respect the fact that he's Muslim. And now I don't know whether he eats any type of halal meats or anything like that. So I've kind of gone vegetarian on him because I didn't want to text him and ask him, basically. But, sure. um, so I've gone for angel hair pasta with a bit of courgette, um, some tomatoes, maybe a fennel broth. Um, and then... What? <laughs> what? Carry on. I've not finished this carry meal on. yet, you know what I mean? And then, obviously, I can't use Parmesan because not a lot of people know this, Paul, but Parmesan's actually made using animal rennet, which is the enzymes from the stomach of, like, um, I think that I think they're just animals that just use milk, so maybe calves and, and goats and all that type of stuff. I'm not sure on that. I think goats eat grass, actually, thinking about it. Um, so I've gone for a vegetable rennet, Parmesan, basically. So it's not, a, it's not actual Parmesan, but it tastes very, very similar. It's vegetarian. Um so there you go, that's him. And Klopp, I've just kind of gone with Bigos, something from my home, my, my family's home country in Poland. It's like a it's like a hunter's stew made with like rabbit and deer and all that type of stuff. It's very down to earth. It's from, the, it, it's got a lot of tournois. You can almost taste the earth that you've grown up in. Um, Czech tournois, you'll understand if you if you Did England win that prize in the no, World Cup in No, I don't think he did. And then, and then, yeah, it's got sauerkraut in there and he's German, so I think he'd love sauerkraut. sauerkraut. And I kind of like the smell of it. I mean, it stinks 
Bigos. I've made my own sauerkraut at home. I've, I think I've still got a jar in the cupboard. It's, it's lovely. Uh, Bigos is really good. I think Klopp would really appreciate the fact that I've uh, I've really thought about his meal and I, I think he'd really enjoy it. And you know what? He might take some of uh, Bobby's carnitas as well. Uh, and, and if he did, I'd be really happy with that. Too. Cool. So I've kind of, I'm just thinking... Salah can have some falafel sound. <laughs> Virgil Van Dyke's Dutch, so we can have a smoke and a pancake. Jürgen can have a steak and ale pie and a stein. That'd be sound. And Bobby, something that properly represented him is probably like an extra scratch. Perf- perfume in a in a in a in an upside down bowler hat with a single plum floating in it. Yeah. Yoko Ono style. That'll Perfect. do. That'll do impact. Yeah, yeah. Just something inedible, but looks amazing and stinks. <laughs> That's probably for me all over. So yeah, let us know what food you would feed to Liverpool players uh, if they came to yours for something to eat uh, by tweeting us after Edmund TV or in the comments underneath. Uh, Sammy Guizani, if you could have one last meal on death row, what would it be? My ma's chicken casserole, roast potatoes and veg. Yeah, it's my dad's Christmas dinner. Um, General J. Lai. Would you take Coutinho to play a Legends match for us 30 years later? Yeah, because we'll have won loads and loads of trophies uh, in that time and it'll all be kind of forgotten. Yeah, I mean, in, in 30 years' time, he's going to be like 55. So, no, um, I think we'll have moved on by that point. <laughs> but in like 10 years, I, I've got no problem. With, I mean, I, I'm, I'll be over it. Getting over it will help. If Liverpool win a European Cup or win something in the next, in the next 18 months, then I, I genuinely won't be asked about what Coutinho's... We're in, we live in a world where Michael Owen's a fucking Liverpool ambassador, for God's sake. Um, ah, yeah, bring Coutinho back. If it means that we get to beat... That if he plays both halves for a half of Barcelona legends along with Luis Suarez and we get to see them come back to play for Liverpool legends, then fine. No one's going to care in a decade, are they? Like, um, but yeah, Leslie thoughts on anything we've discussed, yes, go to the redmentv.com and sign up. Make it happen. Be good people. Um, look, so much exciting stuff happening around Liverpool Football Club and so much exciting stuff happening on the website as well. Camera change. Yeah. Um, Chris has done a deep dive tactical analysis into Trent. Yeah, and Trent on the City one, actually, yeah, it's really good, actually. I think there's so much been said about, about about Trent's performances over the last couple of weeks and stuff, and I think sometimes we forget that he's a 19-year-old lad and there's still positives to be taken from these games. Um, so I really enjoyed it, uh, and I can't wait for people to see it. Brilliant, yeah. So if you're, if you're a little bit unsure or you want to know whether it's just hot air and, and bullshit about people from criticism but Trent and, and is he good enough to play in Liverpool's right back come over to redmentv.com watch Chris Stats and Tactics show it's amazing anyway drop a like on this video if you're enjoying the video podcast on YouTube if you're listening to it on a podcast give us a five star rating because you know you want to we love you guys uh, otherwise subscribe get involved the Twitter at the redmentv and of course the redmentv.com and, we'll and to make walk sure, on Close yet pasta right now. I think. Some fennel broth. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's refined. It's understated. And it's brilliant. It's exactly Mo Salah, lad. <laughs>